Hello and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White and you are now listening to our, what, eighth episode. So that's about two months worth of the show and that's pretty exciting. It's the official podcast of Waxwork.com where we have lots of, uh, you know, serials and excitement and adventure. Um, with me are my three co-hosts who I shall now introduce one by one. This is Mr. Rory Sinjin. Why, hello, my name is, yes, as you said, Rory Sinjin. I am a historian and it is my pleasure, my utmost pleasure to be here. Thank you, Rory. And of course, with him is, well, not with him, but also in the room with him, I'm sure to his chagrin, is Frank Allen. Uh, yeah, that's me. I, you know, I work with Rory and it's fine. I mean, not in life, but here on the show. And, uh... Oh, no, you couldn't work with, I mean, you're not qualified to be an extra historian. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not qualified. But the point is, I don't work with him uh, in life, but I work with him here because, you know, it's what I got to put up with to do what I do. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a host. I host a, a debate show, a couple of debate shows on here. Yes, you do. Absolutely. And we do have one of them tonight. And our final host is my little gray cat, Scape. Say hello, Scapey. Hello. Uh, I'm just chewing, chewing out. Uh, today is a pretty good day. It's nice out. I can sit on my window sills and look at birds. Uh, I kind of wish I could eat those birds, but, you know, these things happen, I guess. I, I don't I don't have the opportunity just yet. That's true, you don't. Uh, I mean, because they don't come inside, and I don't let you outside. Which is something we should really talk about, because there's birds outside. Dad, did you know? I've seen them, I've seen them. I mean, like little pigeons, they, I mean, big pigeons. They, they sit out on the uh, air conditioner there. Yeah, and they're not even afraid of me. So, which is a little insulting, but at the same time, it's like, oh, bonus, because they're not scared of me. I could go right up to him and just eat him. They might, I mean, they might not be that dumb. They might, if you were able to get them, they might, you know, actually run away. Oh, I, I don't think so. I'm faster and I'm, like, smarter and everything. You might, you know, you, you actually might be right about that. You might be smarter than a pigeon. I mean, only in that I've never seen a pigeon who could talk. No, they're just like... Wait, is that, I thought that was the sound you make when you're looking at birds. Well, maybe. I'm looking out the window and I'm like... Maybe it's like a disguise. I'm disguising myself as a bird by saying, I'm a bird. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think you're going to fool anybody into thinking you're a bird. I was totally fooled. I thought there was a bird in the room for a minute. I was going to swat it away. Don't don't patronize him. Come on. No, he wasn't. He was. He meant it. He was serious. He thought I was a bird. I was. I absolutely. Wow. I was like, sounds like a bird. I don't see anything flying. What could it be? See, he knows. He says I sound like a bird. Escape. He's just—he's messing with you. He's not—he's not even serious. Oh, I am. I'm deadly serious. Deadly serious. Oh my goodness. How—how how is it that you're deadly serious? Is it—is it going to kill you? How serious you are? Well, it might. I mean, for example, if there's a bird in here, or if I think there's a bird in here, for example, but it's actually a cat, and maybe I'm actually a bird, then it could be deadly because that cat could get right close to me. Oh, you see, it's going to work. That's my whole plan. That's my whole plan. It's going to work. Escape. He's. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, why are you doing this to my son? I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. He, he sounds like a very strategic guy to me. Okay, all right. See, see. Okay, no, you got it. You got it. You're right. You're right. Let's uh, let's get to the show, though. <laughs> uh, this is the first show we're gonna do. We got we got three shows tonight, which I think is nice because it gives a little bit more room for our bonus stuff and for our chatter. The first one is going to be called Epic Echoes. It's an episode that I wrote called "How's Your Father." Um, it's kind of a it's kind of a fill in episode, not fill in. It's kind of a an intermediate episode, but it's important I think because it it sets up a lot of things. As you know, this is the backwards series, so when I say sets up a lot of things. I mean kind of reverse sets up a lot of things in that, well, both ways, in that it it sets up things that you've already seen paid off, and it also kind of alludes to things that you haven't seen yet that happened in the character's past. It's a confusing show, but it's a really fun show. It really is, if you give it a shot. Uh, How's Your Father is the name of the episode, and we will get right to it right, for example, now.
Echoes, The Backward Series. Episode 7, How's Your Father? by Jordan D. White. Max Thornfield read the letter in his hands over again. He was shocked. He couldn't believe that what it said was true. He read it a third time, and still the same words were on the paper. He'd done it. He'd found the answer to the one question he'd been searching for his entire life, just in time to see it slip away in front of his eyes. My father? You bastard. Couldn't say it to my face, could you? No. Max crumpled Robin Goodfellow's letter in his hand as he clenched his teeth and refused to cry. Reaching into his front pocket, he pulled out the brooch. You couldn't resist, could you? One last trick before dying, huh? Well, the joke's on you. I'm keeping it. I won't give it back to her. Forget final rest. You don't deserve it, you old bastard. You hear me? You don't deserve it! Max threw the paper towards the trash and didn't notice as it bounced off the rim and rolled across the cockpit floor. He flew the remaining distance back to the flashpoint in silence, watching coolly as planets and moons flew past, making his way slowly back to Earth. As he grew closer, making those familiar turns into the Earth's gravitational pull and around the moon, it began to hit him just how much he missed the place. As if seeing the point for the first time in two months wasn't emotional enough, apparently someone in the pack had spacewalked long enough to set out a bedsheet with Welcome Back Max painted on it. He smiled and pulled into the docking bay. The shuttle came in for a solid landing, and once pressure was restored, Max's friends came running through the doors to greet him. Molly ran to him and wrapped her arms around him. Max, welcome home. We've missed you so much. Whoa there. I missed you too, Molly. You take care of my team while I was gone? Oh, you know she did. Hey, Slatter. So, did I miss anything exciting? Oh, nothing we can handle. Just a couple of math scientist wannabes. I'm glad you had it under control, Keen. Von Wicked? Junior. Multi-Mercury? Is he of age already? He certainly thought so. Us, not so much. <laughs> I've missed you guys. I've missed you. We we all have. So, what about you? What happened with Puck once he got you out of El Paso? Ugh. The whole thing was another one of his tricks, of course. There was no planet in danger. He wanted me to steal something. Anything important? Max fingered the brooch in his pocket. Nah, nothing that mattered. You hungry? I made supper. Chicken Mercury style with Minusian scallops. I've got to hop off and finish it up. Sounds great. I can't wait. I haven't eaten since Polaris. Who? Who is this? Crisp had remained just outside the entrance to the bay, nervous, since the last time he'd seen Max, he'd been escorting him to Dralis at gunpoint. Leaping lasers! It's one of Texas troops! No! No, Max, it's okay. This is... This is Crisp. He's a friend. A friend? He's one of thousands of clones made specifically for the purposes of violently overtaking the galaxy, killing anyone who gets in their way. Well, gee, I don't have to do that, do I? No, of course not, Crisp. No, Max, Crisp is different. He's the only reason we were able to get out of Texas in one piece, not to mention how much he helped against Von Wicked. He's not like the others. But Molly, he's a thing, a clone, a Gosh! Max, no! Crisp is one of us. You put me in charge of the flashback while you were detained, and he earned my trust. Now, if that's not enough for you... Max looked over the former trooper, who smiled up at him awkwardly. All right, Molly. I trust you. Thanks, sir. It's Max. The absolute Max, sir. What? I don't know, sir. Max looked to Molly, who shrugged. A slaughter must Crisp's hair. See, Crispy? I told you it'd be fine. Ready to eat? I think I need to go to the bathroom. I'll meet you there, Slot. Don't call me Slot. All right, already. Let's get to this dinner. I'm starved. It's good to have you back. Now things can finally get back to normal. They headed for the mess hall, towards the best meal Max had had in months. Meanwhile, a solar system away, one of the Flashpack's former members was learning of Max's return as well. Lady Dralis. I keep telling you, swine, call me mistress. Is it that hard to understand? I apologize, mistress. Now go about your business, peon. I believe he had a message, sister. Very well. What is it, whelp? You wanted to be informed if Thornfield returned to Earth. Thornfield is back? The spy just sent word. He's back in the Flashpoint. I told you he'd return to plague us again. This is excellent news. Inform the fleet. We leave for Earth within the hour. Yes, mistress. What? You'll do no such thing. N- no sir. Drollis, just what are you trying to do? You know we won't have the field technology finished for months. The 
plan was we'd return to Earth to enslave the insignificant Who-mans after I'd finished inventing the weapon, which would hold them at our mercy. Remember? We've already rallied the fleet into an imposing force. We can- What? What exactly do you expect the fleet to do? Just hang there in the sky like some big, menacing- Darling, I know how unnerving it is to have something so enormous just dangling in front of you, taunting you. You know that at any second it could touch you decimate you, but it just waits, teasing, just out of reach. Something forbidden. Something you're never, ever supposed to touch. Never supposed to want. To desire. Kiss me. (sighs) Inform the fleet. We leave for Earth within the hour. Yes, sir. Shall we retire, sister? I'm not tired. Besides, you've got a lot of work to do on that field, don't you? Well, get to it! But, darling... Shoo-shoo! Get to work! As Dex scuttled off to his lab, dinner was just finishing up back in the Flashpoint. (sighs) That was incredible as always, Keen. If only I knew where you acquired all the most secret, secret knowledge of the culinary world. Keen kicked Max under the table. Ow! What? I just meant it was good. Jupiter's spots. I guess I'll volunteer to do the dishes. It's not every day a simple Earth girl gets incredible interplanet grub like that. It certainly was much better than clone cubes. Clone cubes? What, is that the name they used for what they feed you guys? Yes, although that's not why they called it that. It was named after its main ingredient. Okay, I'm sure no one wanted to hear that. I'll wash, you dry, okay, buddy? That's agreeable. The pair gathered the dishes and headed for the kitchen, leaving Max, Molly, and Keen sitting around the table. Keen looked from Max to Molly a couple of times, then rose. I'm just going to leave you two alone, I think. You have work to do? I'm sure. You don't need to- Bye! Diligent girl, Keen. Yes, and so subtle. So, anyway, tell me about your trip with Puck. What did he make you steal? Oh, gods, I don't want to even talk about it. Max slipped his hand into his pocket and clenched the brooch in his fist. What? What happened? It was nothing. I know you, Max. You're upset. If something happened out there, you can tell me. How long have we known each other? What was it? No, no. Hey, Molly, you know me. If anything important happened, who am I going to tell before my best friend, right? Friend. Right. Exactly. Forget about it. We're buddies. I'd tell you if something was up. All right, Max. But if you need me- You'll be the first to know. Well, second after me. Surprise! The remaining members of the Flash Pack popped into the room carrying a white frosted cake. Max accidentally dropped the brooch on the floor. For he's a welcome back fellow, for he's a- Well, I thought it worked. (sighs) You guys shouldn't have. Oh, is this bad form? No, he doesn't really mean it, Crisp. He's saying we shouldn't have to indicate that he appreciates it. Is that Zen? I'll tell you when it's Zen. Max was fumbling on the floor to pick up the brooch before anyone noticed it. Drop something? Oh, no. Yeah, just just a, a quarter. He held the quarter up for all to see and didn't let down the glamour until the brooch was back in his pocket. Now, is this buttercream on chocolate? The flashback celebrated their leader's return late into the night, until no one could possibly stay awake a moment longer. Except, of course, whoever had the first shift. It was Molly's turn. The coffee maker was working on overdrive, keeping her awake, but sitting still was just leading her mind to dwell on subjects she'd prefer to leave alone. Instead, she decided to use the time to inspect the ship Max had picked up on his jaunt with Puck. What a hunk of junk! How does this thing even operate? Still, maybe I can salvage a few bits for me and Julie's hyperdrive. Molly went inside to check out the cockpit and controls. As she lay on the floor, looking at the wiring under the dashboard, she noticed a crumpled up piece of paper on the floor. What have we here? Forgotten fairy lore? Dear Max, uh-oh, I shouldn't be, uh, screwed. Brooch? What brooch? Max's mom? How did he... Oh my god. Max's father? Max's... Oh, Max. Max, why couldn't you tell me? Will Max reveal the secret he has learned? 
How will the pack deal with Dralis' fleet? What exactly is this field? Dex alluded to. And who among the Flash Pack is this spy? Be sure to listen to the next pulse-pounding episode of Epic Echoes, Riders of Destiny. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis, Jordan D. White was Crisp and the Troops, Devon White was Molly, Lynn Nelson was Slaughter, Tong Wen Wong was Keen, and Daniel Schwartz was Dex. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Murkowski. Wonderful, wonderful. And so, that, yeah, that episode had a lot of stuff about parentage. It had some hints about who the traitor, who's the traitor in the flashback. It had some allusions to the fact that Molly is totally in love with uh, Max. And probably my favorite part was the stirrings of the incestual relationship between Dralis and Dex. That's your favorite part, is it? Is, is there a reason that that's your favorite part? Because I think it's funniest, because I think that's the funniest part. Are you sure that's all it is? Yes, that's all it is. What, uh, that's, yeah, that's all it is. I think it's a humorous part. Although I, I think it's double funny because a lot of the people involved in the show are big fans of Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, including myself. And so the fact that we put in incestual aliens uh, does sort of allude, in a way, to Rocky Horror, which... Um, um, with a, a riffraff and magenta, but let's not go on about that for a long time, shall we? That would be silly. Yeah, it would be kind of silly. When are we going to get to the scenes that I'm in the show? Right, like I said, episode 11. As you know, episode 11. So that's a couple. With this, this was seven, right? Eight, nine, ten, eleven. So four, four episodes, maybe, in uh, about a month or a little bit more in the podcast time. This makes the show better when I'm in it. You might be right about that. And I think you're in almost every episode. I think there's only a couple episodes you're not in. And that's a little bit of a spoiler, I guess, because now we know how long you're in the show. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter, does it? No. The, I mean, if you say that to people, they'll be like, oh, I want to listen to almost every episode of that show because Scape's going to be in it. Scape's going to be in it during his great job of acting and once in a while even singing. Well, that I mean, that might be an incentive right there because they will hear you singing. Do you want to give them a sample? What, what do you want to sing for us? Sing, why don't you sing sing the Waxwork song that I, I did at the beginning of the show? Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Are you on your waxwork? There's a stoning on a boning. Are you on your waxwork? There's a stoning on a boning. Are you on your waxwork? There's a stoning on a boning. Are you on your waxwork? There's a boat. Well done. You did even a little uh, instrumental fill at the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was no instruments right now, so I was a acapella, but I was like, I'll fill it in. Well done. Is everybody Frank? You didn't compliment him? Oh, I'm sorry. No, it was brilliant. It's well done. Rory? It was great. Speaking of Rory, we have to get to Rory's part of the show, right now, Rory? Absolutely. Let's get to my part of the show. It is This Day in History. Here we are. Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name's Rory Sinjin and you're listening to WHRW Binghamton. On May 19th, 1897, writer Oscar Wilde is released from jail after two years of hard labor. Wilde had been sentenced to labor after having been found guilty of practicing homosexuality. Wilde, what do you have to declare? That I'm flagrantly homosexual. Also, this enormous bottle of shampoo. <laughs> Upon inspection of your case, we found the Swiss-made penis pump. How do you respond? You know these are very illegal here in this country, whatever it may be. I require both the pump and my shampoo for reasons that I cannot discuss having just been released from prison. Well, sadly you've not followed regulations, so there's only one recourse. You will have to write a long poem about your next trip to jail. You're too soft. I was going to say off with his head. And off with your head. After the poem. Oh, bother. Isn't he a playwright? And poet, as far as I'm aware. Aren't you, Oscar? I can go both ways. And while did write the ballad of proper travel regulations before having his head lobbed right off. Make sure this doesn't happen to you because you might have some trouble writing poetry and also you don't want to die. Therefore, be aware of travel regulations before you pack for your trip. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But hold on one moment for I believe there may be more to the story than previously has been said. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast in Wax. Yes, it is true that Oscar Wilde was gay. I met him. He hit on me. It wasn't pretty. But the rest of the story is also true. And you're probably wondering how I can prove it. Well, I can't. But I can tell you about it more and more emphatically. 
In fact, yes, when I met him, it was in his elder days and was on his way to get his head chopped off. He wasn't a very happy person at the time, of course, because he knew he was about to get his head chopped off, but, you know, generally speaking, he kept his spirits high and was making lots of cracking jokes. For example, I said to him, what did you learn? And he said, well, I learned a lot of things about travel regulations and about how you should always pack with the knowledge of the laws of where you're going so that you don't get arrested. And I've also learned a few things about math. All right, maybe that wasn't such a funny example, but you understand the point. After he got his head chopped off, they held up the head and it really looked like he was going to make a joke, but in fact, he just kind of went... The point is, if he had just left the penis pump and the shampoo at home, maybe he would have smelled a bit, but he would have lived. And I think, all in all, that probably would have been a better thing for everyone involved. And as I'm sure Oscar Wilde would say if he was here, yes, I think that that would be better for me and all involved. Maybe he would have said it a little more wittier than that. Thank you for listening to Where Are They Now in History? My name's Rory Singer. Okay, uh, let me tell you a little bit about Oscar Wilde. He was so much funnier than you. It's not even funny. Well, I mean, it is funny when he says it, but it's not funny when you say it. Well, I'm not, I'm not a, a comedian. I'm a historian. I'm not trying to do funny bits. I'm trying to do educational, historically informational bits. Really? Okay, so these are, we're, we're supposed to learn something from that? Clearly, we're supposed to learn that you're supposed to check out the laws before you pack, the, the travel regulations, because especially nowadays when there's constantly changing ones, you're not allowed to bring, you know, all sorts of sharp items. You're not allowed to bring all sorts of liquids. Yeah, okay. That, I mean, you know, sure, that's a good message, but I'm talking about the part about, you know, Oscar Wilde, when it says, all these things about him that aren't true or, or are true in another world. Blah, blah, blah. Well, they are true in another world. It doesn't matter. My point is, what do we need to know it for? What what use is it to us? Does it help us in any way whatsoever? The answer is no. The, the lesson helps us. But again, you could just say the lesson. By the way, here's what you should do. Check out travel regulations. I've just done it. We've done it 20 times over now. Good. Message across. Why do we need to know about fake Oscar Wilde? He's not fake. No, he's not fake. He's not our Oscar Wilde. It's not true in our world. My point is we're interacting in our world. Why do we need to know about other worlds? It doesn't make any sense. You're stupid. Okay, now you're getting, you're getting all bitter again, and I don't understand why. The point that I was trying to make was that Oscar Wilde could have been different than he was. Is that, is that too much to say? What? No, of course, that doesn't even mean anything. You, oh, God. Frank, why don't we just go to your part of the show? Then that'll be settled, speaking of God. Right? Well, yeah, I guess it is sort of speaking of God. This is another, this was from the first season of Tractor Fiction when we were recording them live uh, on the air. And uh, we did a couple in a row about Halloween because Halloween was, was coming around in real life. So uh, this is the second Halloween track that we did called The Trick. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to your weekly episode of Tract or Fiction. This episode is called The Trick. It's in celebration of the, what they call the Halloween season. Uh, as you may or may not realize, Halloween is on Sunday, and that's why we're doing this track tonight. Um, let's begin. One month before Halloween. A malicious flock of pagans gathers in a dark and mysterious-looking mansion to perform their dark business. They gather around wearing the dark robes that make them look scary. Brothers and sisters, as you know, Halloween will soon be here. This is a very important time for our most holy and glorious father, Satan. This holy day was designed for us by our father so we can provide additional sacrifices to him. Sacrifices are necessary for our cleansing. Then our father can again smile upon us with his true love and blessing. Our most holy sister, her highness, Sister Charity, will explain in more detail your assignments. My beloved brothers and sisters, listen carefully. This is important. And I will only tell you once. Over the past few years, we have been successful in providing our father with a number of sacrifices. But we need more this year. We also need to prepare more children to worship and serve our father. You will each get your specific assignments from your priestesses and priests. We will use the following techniques. In order to obtain more blood for our master, some of you will continue planting razor blades, crushed glass, pins, etc. in the various treats. The total sacrifices will be obtained again by injecting our special poisons and drugs into the treats. Our father, Satan, also wants to bring more and more children under his guidance and care. This year, we will concentrate more of the special incantations needed to place curses on the treats, which will influence the children eating them. Later, in October, the malevolent pagans gather around a pentagram to perform their dark rituals. Within the pentagram are bottles of poison, syringes, razor blades, broken glass, straight pins, bags of candy, etc. 
Nearby, of course, is the candy they bought for their own gluttonous consumption. The ritual is placing dark, satanic power in the items. Oh, Holy Father, please send your guiding demons upon these instruments so they may be used in your glory. Ha ha! Those kids will get an unexpected treat. Brenda, don't forget which of those candy bars are injected. Yeah, I can't wait until those little brats come to my door. Our father will bless us for this. On Halloween night, three children prepare to go out trick-or-treating. By which I mean, we're going to follow the tale of three children. Not that only three children go out. Though I couldn't really say, since these are the only three children we hear about in this story. Now, Johnny, you be sure to only go to those neighbors on our block that you know. And be home in an hour. Okay, Mom. Hi, Susie. Hi, Susie. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Johnny. My mommy says we must not go to any house that we don't know. Remember what happened to Bobby last year? Yeah, my mom says that the same thing. Okay, let's go. Trick or treat! Well, what do we have here? A witch, a ghost, and a devil. Take your pick, kids. Thanks, Miss Brenda. You're nice. 30 minutes later. A man and woman are peacefully reading their newspaper and tie bow books when the silence is broken by an agonized... Ah! What's that? It's a child screaming. Soon, in the emergency room... I'm sorry, Mrs. Trickster, we couldn't save Jenny. But Susie is in ICU and Jerry is in surgery for cuts in his mouth. I'm Charlton Heston, and I believe they'll be all right. Oh my god, Brenda! How could this have happened in our neighborhood? <laughs> what a tragedy! Meanwhile... Sister Charity sat comfortably in her lair, sipping cognac and watching the evening news. Tragedy this Halloween night. Eight-year-old Johnny Dexter died as a result of a drug overdose in Halloween candy. Many children have been hospitalized in the city tonight. Yes, we have done well. Satan will be pleased with our accomplishments. Suddenly, one of the arteries that supplies Sister Charity's heart with oxygen and nutrients becomes blocked by fatty deposits. The blood flow is decreased and her heart fails to receive the oxygen and nutrients it needs to function. In <gasps> fact, her heart is damaged so severely it triggers an uncoordinated twitching of the heart muscle called ventricular fibrillation that replaces the normally smooth contractions needed to pump blood through the body. My, my heart? I can't breathe! Sister Charity was told she would rule and reign with Satan in hell, but would never be tormented. Even so, she suddenly finds herself breast deep in a pile of fire. Holy Father, I am burning! How can this be when I've served you so well? Ha <laughs> ha you stupid little fool! You're getting what you deserve! My trick was getting you to serve me. Now your treat is to burn for all eternity! Ten months later, at the home of the two-faced, evil, devil-loving Brenda... Thanks for having us over, Brenda. I want you to meet my friend, Becky, from out of town. How nice to meet you. Uh-oh, I don't like this Becky. I can't understand what's happening to Susie. She's not the same little girl. She was so sweet, but now she's totally rebellious. I can't even get her to go to Sunday school without a big fight. My Jerry is the same way. I don't know how to handle him anymore. I know what you mean. I went through the same thing with my kids, but it's just a phase. I don't think so, Brenda. Can anyone think of a major problem that occurred in Jerry or Susie's lives recently? Yes, it was Halloween. My Jerry was badly cut, and little Susie almost died from drugs put into a candy bar. That's it. That's the key. What do you think you are, Becky? A psychiatrist? No, I'm an ex-witch. Now, I serve Jesus. Crap, I should have suspected. Let me tell you the truth about Halloween. It came from an ancient druid custom set up for human sacrifices on Halloween night. Druids offered children in sacrifices. They believed that only the fruit of the body offered to Satan was for the sin of the soul. The trick-or-treat custom was created by the druids when they went to a home and demanded a child or virgin for sacrifice. The victim was the druid's treat. In exchange, they would leave a jack lantern with a lighted candle made of human fat to prevent those inside from being killed by demons that night. When some unfortunate couldn't meet the demands of the druids, then it was time for the trick. A symbolic hex was drawn on the front door. That night, Satan or his demons would kill someone in that home. Oh, that was an ancient custom. That's not what Halloween is about nowadays. Wrong, Brenda. The same thing is going on today, only it's much more subtle. I know from experience that our Halloween was carefully planned by Satan to accomplish several things. 
What things? First of all, you must understand that Satan is one of the most powerful and intelligent creatures God ever created. He was, once, one of the greatest of all God's angels, until he sinned by deciding he would become greater than God. Satan is our enemy. Incidentally, how many of you believe Satan is alive today? Nobody does, Becky. That's old-fashioned superstition. I agree with Brenda. Me too. I, I can't buy this devil nonsense. You just did it. You all fell for it. What? You all believe witches, devils, and demons are just make-believe and a big joke, only to appear on Halloween. This is exactly what Satan wants you to believe. If you think he doesn't exist, then you won't fight him. Satan's greatest desire is to hurt and destroy people. The children who are mutilated every Halloween are no accident. They're carefully planned sacrifices to Satan, carried out by those who serve and worship him. To pain control of children's minds, witches make elaborate incantations, calling forth demonic powers to attack these little ones. Their minds are influenced by these dark powers to alter their way of thinking. How do I shut her up? Are you saying Susie and Jerry are under Satan's influence? Didn't you say they had changed? This is getting scary. Jerry has changed. This is horrifying. There's no hope. There is hope. Someone is stronger than Satan. In fact, Satan will fall down before him and call him Lord. His name is Jesus Christ, the one who created the universe. Jesus came to earth to destroy Satan's power. He went to the cross and shed his precious blood to wash away our sins. When you receive Jesus as your Lord, Savior, and Master, you then have his power available for you. Stand against Satan. Twenty minutes later, Becky leads the mothers in prayer. Dear Jesus, please forgive me and save me. I want you as my Lord and Savior. Crap, she's destroying our Halloween! Now that you have made Jesus your Lord, you have his authority and power to deal with these demonic forces influencing your children. Becky, our kids should be home from school. Will you help us pray for them? You bet. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to remove the demonic power and influence from the lives of these precious little ones. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for cleansing these children. One month later... Susie is like her old self again. So is Jerry. Thank God they are free from Satan's grip and their names are written in heaven. <laughs> okay, hey, no, stifle that laughter, please. Right, Thank it's you. It's Thank difficult. you. Stifled. All right. I mean, wasn't that moving? That was quite uh, interesting. Oh, no, we're not going to pass judgment either way. That's the whole purpose of the Look, debate. moving doesn't mean good or bad. It just means moving. Don't move. Okay, thank you. Now, if, if if we could, I believe we have two uh, debaters. Uh, one here. Sir, what is your name? My name is Dr. Kapow, brother of evil genius Dr. Kablan. Dr. Dr. Kaboom. Dr. Kapow. Okay, well, before, before we start, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Just a tiny, tiny bit. Well, much like my brother, I am an evil genius whose sole desire is to take over the world. Unlike my brother, however, I am not armed with the great robot Destructobot. Okay, thank Thank you. All right, sir, uh, what is your name? Wadadoodle, W-H-R-W. My name is the Seaman. I can't give out my real name due to court orders. Litigation. The Seaman. Indeed. All right, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I was fired from commercial radio for offending people. I went on an apology tour. Apologize. I came to W-H-R-W, was fired for comments against women, and wound up at the NBC National Booze Council, who fired me for drinking on the job. Okay. And then well, they paid me in scotch. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Alcohol. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, I do want to get this underway. This is this is quite a hot issue because it is Halloween on Sunday, as everybody knows. So uh, we're going to find out the positions right now. And you, sir. Doctor, I'm sorry. Doctor Kapow. Doctor Kapow. This is important. You are in favor of this track. You think that the trick is 100% fact. And you, sir, say it is fiction. Indeed it is. It's a lie. All right. Let me allow this the seaman to start us off by talking about why this is not true. Well, it's obviously not true. I mean, how many of us go around sacrificing uh, uh, children uh, to the altar of Satan? I'm sorry. I, when you say how many of us, are you saying that you are, in fact, a pagan witch? No, I'm a drunkard. Oh, okay. There's a big difference. I'm sloshed to the gills. What a doodle. You have gills. Seaman, 
Seaman. Yes, um. Your stupidity is infesting my cerebellum right now. I just wanted to tell you that. You sound like a woman, sir. Cerebellumed. <laughs> what was that? The hell was that? Just some woman's voice came out of the ether. Oh, speaking of ether, where's my bottle? All right. I don't know. Anyway, oh, so I shouldn't talk about that. I'm on twelve steps. Anyway, uh, sacrificing children. Yes, that's what we're here to discuss. Uh, Jesus at Halloween. Uh, what wait, do you wait, wait, wait. Hold yeah. on, hold on, hold on. Yes, you, um. Are you calling on the name of Jesus? And no, I was just saying that Jesus is on Halloween. What a doodle! Anyway, uh, anyway, so what was I going to say? Seaman, oh, yes. Seaman, yes, um, I personally find your stupidity quite offensive. Do now, you, now, do you have any I rebuttal? I find my odor offensive, but that's beside now, the point. What a doodle. I think this case is quite easy to understand. You okay? It's quite obvious that Halloween is a tool of the devil indeed. This is important. Now, how is there any proof behind this allegation? Well, it's quite obvious in the corpses of the dead little children that have been poisoned by Halloween by Halloween candy each year. They would have been saved by booze. It's a well-known fact that since 1949, booze has saved many a child from death. Seaman, yes. please do us a favor. Close the mouth and shut off the stupidity. So wait, hold on, hold on. How is it yeah, that the booze... It if you give me booze. <laughs> now you said that there that people that people like you, for example, don't sacrifice children on Halloween, but you also said that booze saves them. How Indeed. How does it save them if no one's actually trying to kill them? Um, Pink elephants? September 11th, 2001. That ought to fog your mind right there. <laughs> anyway, uh, the problem comes down to, in my opinion, uh, Halloween, uh, witches, if, if Halloween was started by witches, uh, it, it was perpetrated by women, and uh, women, as we all know, uh, took the fall, uh, therefore they're evil, uh, and God punishes women. Now, Seaman, Seaman, this is the first intelligent thing you have told us all night. Women no, are... we're not agreeing on anything here. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I do believe I agree with you on this. Women are indeed quite inherently evil. Alright, so why don't we both agree Excuse here? me! Yes, woman. We'll Speak! <laughs> or go back to typing. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It yeah. seems... Yes, it seems we have an expert on the subject. We actually have a woman in the studio. Woman, do you, can yeah, you comment you on exist. the... I thought you were like Betamax. On the woman issue. Please. Uh, women aren't evil. Now that's an interesting allegation. However, a woman... Yes, yes. In light of the events that he mentioned from September 11th, 2001, I can't see how you can disagree with him. Yeah, that's right. Women were behind the terrorists. You um, support women, the terrorists uh, win. I don't think... I believe, I believe so support the, an American institution like booze, which has been a proud sponsor of America since 1918. Wait, they invented booze in 1918. Indeed, they did. What did they drink before that? Well, yeah, what did they drink before then? They drank human blood. Oh. Mr. Mr. Doctor? Doctor? Blood. Doctor? I believe, yes. I believe the mantra holds quite true behind every successful man, there's a there's a woman. Every last one of the 9-11 uh, terrorists were men. Therefore, it's quite logical that women were behind this, this entire plot, and therefore women are behind 9-11. Wait a second. You said behind every good man? No, no. No, he said behind every successful man. Ah, so behind every failure, then. Like me, that explains why I'm single. Now, back to the issue here. Halloween, women, and sacrifice. This explains quite well If you ask me, this tract is true. God is a father, he is a man. No, 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 sir. He you, does not like Halloween because it involves women. Mr. Seaman, you yes. said you th that this is not true. That what is not true? This track. That well, I'm sober? That's not true either. I, I believe well, we have a sobriety expert here. Yes, yes, sir. Expert on men. Well, no, actually. Oh, okay. no. What are you an expert on? I just wanted to clarify the terms of the debate. The okay. Seaman is insisting that men are, in fact, inherently good and that women are responsible for evil things like Halloween. Yes. Whereas Me this gentleman over here says the same thing. No, whereas no. Th that man over there says that Satan, who is not male or female, and uh, therefore a little bit worse, is behind Halloween. Let me clarify my position on the subject. What a doodle. Clarification. Here's the deal. Get to your point. Yeah, I am. If you shut up. I can't believe I just shouted at another man, but then, uh, well, anyway. <laughs> Halloween is evil according to God. Now, God thinks that women are evil. He punishes them because they screwed up right in the beginning in the garden. Therefore, now you take these two statements, if A is true and B is true, therefore C is true, 
women are behind Halloween, therefore Halloween is evil. And that's why Jack Chick is not lying here. Yeah, what a doodle, trick or treat. Uh, no, women see, are the trick. Now wait, hold they on. They trick me all the time. Wait a minute. So, so both of you are arguing. They love me, then getting them pregnant. So man. Both of you are arguing that this is true all of a sudden. What happened? What? You both just argued that this is true. It happened because it's true. You see, I was tricked by a woman once. She told me she loved me. I told her I loved her. All right. Next thing I know, I've got a ring on my finger and a baby in the bassinet. Well, see, man? Do you have see a bassinet? Man? Yeah, I have a bassinet at home. See, man, if it is possible to die of stupidity, I do not believe you would be amongst well, us right now. Well, Doctor, we're about to find out the moment of truth. Yes. Even though, evil. even though, no, hold on, we're going to find out. Even though Seaman did switch to your argument, Sinners. we're still going to decide who won in the traditional I manner. I do believe he has flip-flop <laughs> on this argument. Yes, Pouring I believe he has, but, sir, we're going to decide yes. who won in the traditional coin flip manner, and in fact, even though, even though he he changed his position ah. from against to four. I'm sorry, Seaman One, you've lost, Doctor. Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> what to do? Don't tune into the match. What I would do for Destructor? <laughs> Where I've got kicked right off now. Everyone, thank you for listening to Tractor Fiction here on WHRW Binghamton. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of. Frank Allen, Scott Finbow, Dylan Lanehart, Magdalena Richards, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Angela Tyman, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Now, okay, uh, shut up, shut up. We stop talking. No. Hold on a second. No, st- stop it. Stop it. Stop talking. Escape. Don't even think about starting to talk. I wasn't even doing anything. Good, good. Good cat. Thank you. Now, before I'm not letting anybody talk. Frank Allen interviews time. We've got an interview. It's relevant to that tract. We're doing it. Here we go. Frank Allen Interviews, starring Frank Allen. Hello and welcome back to Frank Allen Interviews after a brief absence, but uh, we are back and we've got lots of stuff, meaning uh, one interview, but it's a good one and uh, that's what I like. This is an interview with our good friend, Brenda, who you will recognize from the tract, the Jack Chick tract, The Trick. Uh, Brenda, of course, being uh, the one of the, the flock of pagans who tried to hurt children. Brenda, it's good to have you here. It's nice to be here. Excellent, excellent. Uh, now, you were, of course, the, the star of that tract. At the time of the tract, well, you weren't the star, but you were one of the people who was important in it. At the time of the tract, of course, you were a pagan, correct? But what do you mean at the, the time of the tract? I, I still am. Oh, well, that's I wouldn't expect. I wouldn't have expected that. Why not? Well, have you read the track? It's a pile of bunk. Wait, yeah, I've read it. Oh, uh, we decided it was true. Well, I don't agree with you. Well, okay. I mean, the track. Uh, the track pretty clearly shows that being a pagan leads you to, you know, hell, breast deep. Yeah, that's that pile of bunk part I was just talking about. So then, why do you? I mean, it's okay. So what? What part of it is bunk? Are, are you saying you don't kill children? Of course, we kill children. We're just not going to suffer in hell for it. No, why not? Because we're doing it for Satan. Why would Satan punish us when we are doing his work? That doesn't sound right. Well, I guess it doesn't sound right, but then again, hurting children doesn't really sound right. Oh, that sounds fine to me. What's wrong with that? Well, wh- what does he need dead children for? I don't even get that. I don't ask. He he wants the dead kids. I give him the dead kids. I'm supposed to pry into his personal affairs? I don't think so. So you just have a faith in Satan? Yeah. I mean, isn't he known as the Lord of Lies? Well, yes, but he wouldn't lie to us because we are his followers. You see, he lies to everyone else. I don't know, man. It sounds like one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, if, if someone's talking to you, they're probably talking about you. You know, that's pro- if he's lying to you, he's probably lying. I mean, if he's lying, you know, you know what I'm saying. Satan's dreamy. What? No. Uh, Satan's, no. Uh, have you met Satan? I don't think you know him. I've seen pictures. He's really dreamy. I can't wait to meet him. He looks different in lots of different pictures. How can you say he looks... He looks dreamy in all of them. What? Sometimes he looks like a snake. A dreamy snake? Because you're dreaming. No, dreamy. Yeah, but dreamy is like a dream. You're dreaming. Look, no. Dreamy. Dishy. He's... <sighs> no, no, no. Look, it, the point is... I, I don't even know how to begin with this now. So you're saying you still, every year, kill children? As many as I possibly can. For Satan. For Satan, his dreaminess. Why do we never hear about this on the news? Because, I mean, I've been around for a lot of Halloweens, and I've never heard about children dying every every Halloween. Um, hello, we own the news. The news is, is satanic, don't you know that? Wait, there's that many Satanists? The whole, the whole news? Yeah, that's, that's why, you know, you, you don't hear about it. But of course it happens. I mean, I've also never, I mean, that's the thing. I, in addition to never seeing it on the news, I never 
ever meet people who are like, by the way, you know, I used to have kids and now they're dead. They died last Halloween. Do you know a lot of people with kids? Well, no, but that's my point. I, they don't have to have kids. They would say, I don't have kids anymore. Do you hang out with a lot of people who might possibly be reproducing? Well, I meet people mm -hmm. and they might have kids. Look, the point, no, you're, 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 you're backwards. I'm saying I've met a lot of people and I've never met anybody who's lost a kid at Halloween. That they told you about. Are you sure they would have told you? Why would they? Oh, I mean, I guess not, but you never know. No, see, I know. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Look, I, we had, I've met Satan. I've met the Satan from this track. Can you introduce me? Well, you're going to meet him eventually. <laughs> But my point is... I want to meet him now! My point is that he doesn't seem like a great guy. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who is going to give you rewards. He seems like the kind of guy who would punish you even after you helped him. Do you have his phone number? Well, yeah, but I can't give out his phone number. Oh, come on! Give me his phone number! That, no, that's not That's not right. But, but you don't understand. I really, really want to talk to him. I've been killing children for him for year after year after year. I just want to talk to him a little bit. All right. I'll tell you what. I'll call him up right now. Okay. But I'm not going to give you his phone number. All right. Here, let me dial his number. All right. All right. Hello. Oh, my God. Is that Lord Satan? Uh, S Satan. Uh, Lucifer guy. It's uh, Frank. Frank Allen. Oh, hello. What do you want, my friend? Oh, there's a... Uh, I got one of your followers here. She says uh, she wanted to say hi. Also, she she was saying she thinks that you're going to, like, reward her in hell. Oh. <laughs> hi, Lord Satan. It's Brenda. I love you so much. Thank you. <laughs> I faithfully kill children for you every single year. Well, good. I think that is something I want. <laughs> Can we go on a date? No. But please... I'm afraid I'm very busy. Well, uh, can you? I was just wondering if you would answer that uh, the, the question though. When your followers they do bad things, right? And because uh, you ask them to. Absolutely. And then uh, they go to hell, presumably, because they're they're doing bad things, right? Of course, everyone goes to hell. <laughs> and then um, now, then the question becomes: Do you do you reward them for the bad things they've done in your name, or do you still punish them, even though you know they're kind of into you? Well, to be honest with you, I have to punish them. That's the way the rules work down here. I punish everyone who's evil, which is everyone. But it's it's sort of the, that's the whole thing I talked about in the tract. It's it's a trick. I trick you into doing bad things, and then I punish you, and I like it. Okay. Wait, what? He's saying he tricks you. Yes, I trick you into doing bad things for me, like killing children. <laughs> you mean I'm I'm not going to rule with you in hell after I die? Well, you might be the queen of pain. <laughs> you mean you'll marry me? No, no, I mean I'll torture you so that you're, you hurt a lot. Will it be kind of kinky? No, not at all. Oh, this is ridiculous then. Killing all these kids, I'm trying to avoid going to jail, and this is what I'm going to get? Yes, but it's far too late. You've already killed them. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I can just switch over to this Jesus-y thing that it talks about in this track. I thought this was bunk. Oh, Jesus, I hate that game. All right, well, that's good to know. Jerk. Well, I guess in the very least I could stop killing children. You know, baby steps. That's probably for the best. I mean, children t tend to be halfway decent. No, it's been really fun killing children, though. I'm going to kind of miss it. Um, well, but you'll you'll be less likely to go to jail. No. Especially now that you've said on the internet that you kill children. Well, yeah. Where do you, what's your last name? Yeah, I'm not that stupid, thanks, though. Oh. Um, what am I going to do with all that extra poison I keep lying around the house? What are you going to do with it? I don't know. What are you going to do with all that extra candy? Well, that I'm just going to eat. You know, the not poison stuff, of course. Not razor blade, either. I, uh, what am I going to do with all those extra razor blades? Hmm. Shave your legs. Uh, no. You don't understand. I have, like, an entire room just full of, like, illicit, illegal, and fatal substances. Ah, <sighs> this is a giant pain in my butt. Satan, you're a jerk. You're ruining everything. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. Gotta go. Bye. Um, well, listen, here's the thing. Don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bear it too much, uh, too much problems, because to be honest with you, I don't even know if that's really Satan. Wait, what? Well, I mean, like I said, that's, that's a guy, I mean, it's Lucifer, and, uh, he seems to be very Satanish. but uh, I've met a few. So, what are you trying to do to me here? I met a, I'm saying I've met a couple of Satans. We, do, we did a couple of tracks. There's been more than one Satan. I've seen a few gods. One has a squeaky voice. One has a, a deep voice. One has a, the, the, the Caribbean voice. You know what? Screw it. I'm just going to keep killing kids. No, I no, no, love no, no. killing kids. It's fun. I already have all this stuff for it. This is too confusing. I'm just, I'm going to go, I'm going to go kill a kid right now. No, 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 no. no. Don't, don't kill kids. Don't kill kids. Uh, that was the only Satan and he's going to punish you. I don't believe you. No, it's true. Maybe you're Satan. Maybe I am. I'm going to punish you though. Oh, and you, you're not hot at all. No. Oh, God. 
Definitely not the Satan I've dreamt of snogging. Look, the point is, don't kill kids. Killing kids is wrong whether you believe in God or not. That's fun! Yeah, but a lot of things are fun, and you still shouldn't do them. So there. What if I just kill you instead? You're not a kid. I'm also not... I mean, killing, to be honest with you, it's really the killing part. That's the worst part. Are you sure you don't want me to kill you? Yes! I've got some cherry-flavored poison in my purse. No, do you have any non-poison candy? Oh, Def, yes, non-poison candy. Yes, I, I think you should try it. Take it out. Uh, all right, see, here it is. Have a bite. Um, I hate candy. Girl, you just said you were going to eat all the candy. I don't like, um, cherry candy. What else you got? Um, no, that's it, that's all I got. Eat it. Um, no. Show me it's not poisoned. Uh, Show me it's not poisoned. I'm not eating that damn candy. <laughs> it's poisoned. Give me that candy. All right. I'm throwing it away. Oh! Oh, do you have any idea how hard it is to get poisoning through the wrapper without it looking tampered with? You, you're not allowed to have candy until you can prove you're not going to poison it. How are you going to keep me from buying candy? I will. I don't care. I'll find a way. Yeah, okay. Good luck with that. I'll report you. That's not going to work. It is. No. I got in touch with you. Obviously, I know where where to get in touch with you. Yeah, it's, it's not going to work. I'm telling you. Do you think I could have been killing kids for this many years if uh, if, if I didn't have my bases covered? Yes. No. Look, all right, look, I'm going to have Satan stop you. Dreamy Satan or jerk Satan? Yes. No, which one? Both, all Satans. Satan rally against you. Look, it doesn't matter. The point is, you're going to get stopped. No more killing children. No more killing people. Why didn't, you know, what's the name of that woman? That woman in the track, she should have stopped you at the time. She didn't find out who you were, but I'll, I'll call her up and I'll tell her who you are. And then, you know, you'll really be stopped. She ruined everything. If you could find her address for me, actually, that would be really great. I'm going to give her your address is what I'm going to do. So either way, I should be ready for her visit? No, don't be ready. You uh -huh. don't, don't plan at all. Yeah, I think I've, I have some shopping to go do. It's been a great interview. Bye. Fine, bye, fine. Don't kill. Bye. All right, well, uh, that's another Frank Allen interview wrapped up for the, for now. Uh, see you later. That was what you stopped us all for, that you, we had to be quiet so you could play that. It was very, very important. Well, yeah, it, look, it was important. It's been weeks since... I, that's only the fourth one of those things that I've played, and it's the eighth show. I've only done it half the time. It's supposed to be a regular feature every episode, and you guys keep taking it away, uh, 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 you know, taking it away to, to do something else. This was relevant to the, to the track. All those other ones I did that were relevant, it's like, well, what am, what am I even going to play them for anymore? This is the trick, and then I interview the person from the trick. That's how it's supposed to work. Well, I mean, I think we understood that. It's just, we, you know, we had him important things we had to put on. Oh, yeah, it was really important that you put on a stupid uh, uh, radio clip of uh, uh, Like Mother. Yeah, really good. No, not that important. My interview, my show, I'm one of the co-hosts of the show. You should consult me about this stuff. It's my thing to do. Okay, Frank, settle down. Settle down. When, speaking of interviews, how come you never interviewed Scapey? Oh, yeah, how come you never interviewed Scapey? Scapey's like a brilliant actor and singer and entertainer and thinker. Okay, uh, yeah, you know, you're good. I mean, but why would I interview you when you're you're here on the show with me. You interviewed Rory Singjin. Yeah, I interviewed... Look, I interviewed Rory because I was trying to humiliate. Oh, and of course that worked out so very well for you, didn't it? Well, I, th I think it did. I think you are exposed, but whatever. Look, I, I don't need to expose Scapey. I don't wear anything. I'm not talking about clothes. I'm talking about you're not uh, some sort of hypocrite. No, I'm not. I'm very good. Yeah. So why would I interview you? Wait, are you saying that you everybody you interview is a hypocrite? Because you interviewed my wife. No, 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 no. I'm not saying everybody I interview is a hypocrite. I'm saying, why would I interview you or Scape when we talk on every show? I interviewed Rory specifically because I wanted to expose him for a fraud. Again, it didn't work, of course, because I'm not a fraud, because I am an actual historian studying at the Brooklyn Institute of Extra Historical Studies. Not a fraud in the slightest. Oh, it... I don't want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about my interviews, and I want to keep having them. All right, you know, keep having them. Keep doing them, and we'll, you know, we'll play them, you know. And, you know, we might have to, once in a while, preempt it for... No, why do you have to preempt... Why don't you preempt Rory? Why don't you preempt one of your, your stupid serials? One of my stupid serials? You know those are the reason we're doing the show, right? Look, I, it doesn't... I don't... It's not... I'm saying don't take away my part of the show. It's the only part of the show I get, and I don't want to lose it. Oh, Frank... You're a good man, Frank. And you put up with a lot. Yeah, I know. But I'm still going to preempt it once in a while. Oh, come look. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. It's not your show. And uh, I have to. You know, I could take this bit elsewhere. Could you? Where could you take it? Where are you going to take it to CBS FM? You're going to take it to, uh, you're going to do your own podcast now. Well, I, could, I might be able to. I could find somebody who has a computer. Somebody else. Well, look, I don't want you to, I don't want you to go to another podcast. But, uh, look, once in a while, we've got bits we want to do, like important segments. And, uh, that's the way it is. Fine. <laughs>
whatever. Oh, don't don't be upset, Frank. It's 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 all right. Maybe I'll let you do something on where are they now in history someday. Yeah, I don't need your pity appearance. No, I mean like you could perhaps perhaps you could record a a one of them. I could train you how. You'd have to take a class, a course, I think. No, I don't have time for a course. Uh, can we just let's let's finish the stupid show. Yes, again, the stupid show. Excellent. Speaking of stupid things, uh, this episode of Guard Duty is not stupid. This is one of my favorite episodes ever. It's probably in the top five episodes ever. It's called Fantastic But True. It introduces a entirely new character. We heard him mentioned in the last episode, Captain Fantasy, and he has a discussion with Dr. Fast. If you're keeping up with Guard Duty, what has happened is in the last season, the first six episodes were one season, we met a lot of the Earth Guard members. Uh, they went back in time, fought a villain, changed time so that one of their members, Fole, lived instead of died, while another, Voodoo Lady, died instead of lived. At the end of the season, Fole found out about how this all happened, decided the world was a better place when she died and Voodoo Lady lived, and she went back and changed reality uh, so that Voodoo Lady lived and she died. So none of the Earth Guard really remembers that. So at this point, we're picking up shortly thereafter. And like I said, we've got Captain Fantasy and Dr. Fast. Here we go. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week, Dr. Fast and Captain Fantasy in Fantastic But True. Am I late? Never. Have a seat. Things are just about to get interesting. Were they? What's going on? You were just about to show up. Oh, funny. No joke. You were. And I did. And now it's interesting. So, you were just in time. Just in time to get here when I did? What else could I have been? Late. Like you said. That's not possible. Which is why I answered never. This is the most pointless argument I've ever had. Not yet. So, how's the aging thing going? No luck recently. Things keep interrupting at critical junctions. Stopping disastrous the other day set me back weeks. (sighs) Too bad about that. Mr. Fahrenheit keeps having nightmares about it. He's afraid of tidal waves? Not sure. Something about that and... trundle beds. I saw it last time I was in the world of dreams. (laughs) Of course, I see. Ah, yes. You don't believe in the world of dreams. I forgot. I'm sorry. It's nothing against you. I'm a man of science. The world of dreams is real, though. Just as real as this world. There I'm all-powerful. Practically a god. Here I'm just a person. If the world of dreams isn't real, where do I get my information? How do I know about the anti-grav belt that's been plaguing you? How do I do my magic? How do I ensnare Suspiria in the Veil of Twilight? I have my theories, but I'd rather keep them to myself until I've published. No, please, tell me. This I've got a hair. Fine. I've always suspected that you actually have powerful telepathic and telekinetic abilities. I believe that this entire dream world scenario is something you've made up entirely inside your head. So? What What do you mean, so? So it's not real? Why would something in my head be any less real than what isn't? That seems like a preposterous question. Something in your head by nature cannot be real. It's in your head. You're making it up. Or it could be something real that exists only in my mind. I didn't make up the world of dreams. I found it. You can't find it if it isn't a place. This isn't like the world of the Fae that Peas Blossom comes from, or Atlantis where Ocean Man lives. Those are real places. Places other people can go to. As far as I can tell, you're the only one who can go to the world of dreams. That's not it at all. I'm just the only one who realizes that we're already there. You say I've made up the world of dreams, that I'm deluding myself, but you can't prove that I'm not right. Perhaps we're all connected through the world of dreams, and all this world is, is us trying to make sense of the dream world. Oh, come on now. That's a pointless argument. No, it isn't. It is. Of course I can't prove you wrong, but accepting that reality is reality is one of the fundamental assumptions of the universe. (laughs) 
I think, therefore I am. I am here, therefore here is. Besides, I don't need to prove your theory wrong. There is nothing to suggest that it is true, so I needn't bother to disprove it, just as I don't bother to prove that magical cheese fairies don't hold the nucleus of atoms together. You'd have to check with Peas Blossom about that. But I've already told you, there is evidence that supports what I am telling you. I can see the world of dreams. I can touch it. I can taste it. I do so every time I face a criminal. When I held the rain of fire back from destroying Washington, D.C., I reached into the dream world and warped the fabric of its reality, holding the fire in the sky. If there was no dream world, how could I- Wait, wait, what are you talking about? Was five years ago, the creationist? Voodoo lady held back the rain of fire. Sure, sometimes. Depends on when you look at it. It doesn't matter. The point is, everything I do, I do it through the world of dreams. When I- Here. When I lift that- That soda, look. See? I'm manipulating the world of dreams, which disrupts this reality, resulting in this flying bottle. The evidence is right in front of you. Except that it isn't. There's a simpler explanation besides the one that is only provable by taking your word. We know there is such a thing as telepathy. We know there is such a thing as telekinesis. We can prove it in a lab, with reproducible results. It's far more reasonable to believe that you can lift that soda using telekinesis. And just write me off as a kook. Come on now, I didn't want All right, fine. How about this? Maybe we're looking at the same thing from two different sides. Maybe I see it as the world of dreams, and you see it as telekinesis, but maybe it's the same thing. Perhaps if I have telekinesis, but I don't know about the world of dreams, I see it as just moving something in this world, when I'm really distorting the world of dreams, just as we do complicated physics calculations when we throw or catch a ball. That is pointless. Do you want me to admit that the possibility exists that that could be true? Fine, it is possible, if only at odds of... 2 times 10 to the 59th power to 1. But neither of us can prove if it is either true or not, so it's pointless. You can't prove there is a world of dreams, I can't prove there isn't. But regardless, only one of us is right. What do you mean? Regardless of whether we can prove it or not, either there is a world of dreams or there isn't. I personally believe that there isn't. But if you can't prove it's not real, it won't cease to exist for me, and therefore it will exist. What? No! No, not at all, that's nonsense! Nonsense or no, I can see it. I can feel it. You can see things your way. I'll see them mine. We're just going to have to settle for having our own personal beliefs on the matter. You can believe what you want to, but it won't change the truth. There is only one truth. One truth? Okay, now that isn't true. You could talk to two people who saw the exact same event, and both of them will tell you that- One of them is wrong, then. I'm not talking about perception. I'm talking about an objective truth completely independent of perception. God's truth? What? No! What has God got to do with anything? Well, if there's an ultimate truth, someone has to be the arbiter of it. There doesn't need to be an arbiter. The truth needs no judgment. The truth merely is, regardless of perception, judgment, hypothesis- Or proof. Yes, but that doesn't mean there's a world of dreams. But! If there is one, then there is one. If you want to say it's something so completely obvious and reflexive, then yes, yes, regardless of anything I've said, if there is a world of dreams, then there is a world of dreams. Thank you. See? That was the most pointless argument you've ever had. Why is it always me? Don't you realize that I experienced this nonsense exponentially longer than anyone else would? So you don't believe in God, then? What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. It just hurts his feelings. Cut tower up! tower left! We read you, Rob Band. How are you? The models cut four giant squid attacking New York Harbor. One of them is... Oh, crap. They just destroyed Rob Band model number 27. Oh, prep 28. I'll be right there. I've never seen a giant squid in this world before. Are they purple here, too? What? They just... just send out the signal for Christ's sake! Alright, alright. Good afternoon, Earthguard. We have an emergency.
Guard Duty by Jordan D. White with Michael D. Murkowski as the narrator Daniel Schwartz as Dr. Fast Nicholas Roach as Captain Fantasy Derek McNish as Broadband with theme song by Michael D. Murkowski Wasn't that a good episode? See, I told you that was a good one. Did you like that one, Scapey? Oh, that was pretty good. Uh, I'll tell you what would make it better. I could have played Captain Fantasy. I think Nick does a real nice job, though. I don't want to. I don't think I would replace him. Oh, come on! Come on! Come on what? What do you want me to do? Like, re-edit the episodes, cut him out, and put you in? Well... No, I'm not going to do that. That's ridiculous. You're being a stupid head. Ah! Not stupid head. Brilliant actor finger person. Okay, you're fine. The point is, I'm not going to replace... No, I'm not going to go back and re-edit you into episodes you're not in. That's stupid. That sounds like something Rory Sinjin would do. Excuse me? That isn't something I would do. I I have my own methods. I'm not going to edit him into an episode of This Day in History. Oh, I could be. No, no, no. You you were in one episode. That's enough. Uh, You know, everybody's really mean. Okay. We actually have to start wrapping this up now. Um, I do want to say, as we uh, as we get ready to fade off into Waxwork Theme A, Astounding Art Abounding, that I, I've mentioned that I've been remastering these songs as I put them into the podcast. I haven't been uploading the, re- the remastered versions to the website, but I'm going to start doing so. So I think uh, when this episode goes up, by the time this episode goes up, the remastered songs should all be up as well. And I'm also going to try to put up the remastered Decker and Hayes episodes and Tractor Fiction episodes that I've edited so far. So all of those should be up on the website right now the ones that have aired so far you can go check it out uh the, the songs would be under rhapsody and wax in the music section and you know i'm sure you can find tractor fiction or decker and hayes if you want to download those they are in the radio section anyway as i said astounding art abounding it's going to see us off in the background there and we'll be seeing you I said the waxwork.com, it is really the bomb. It's got those all original creative projects from the bunch of hoboys. Dealing in the Mercedes, laughing all the way to Hades while I tap on the dime. Oh, we got our updates yeah. weekly, our sites uniquely. Customized for all you guys who want to critique me. But don't try to front when you're on the front page. Go to the message bottom post so you'll be feeling my rage. I'm a madman. When it comes to this site, I'm busy macking on the counter nearly every single night. But if it's your belief, then you'll be giving me grief and slipping off of that mic. Because I'm editor in chief, I miss a white, y'all. Uh-huh. They call me Jordan or Jordan, I'm busy keeping it free so everyone can afford to scope out what we can do, me and my waxwork group. But when you're through, we beg you, just go and post on the board, yo. On the next episode of Cast in Wax, in guard duty, Binary Girl and Voodoo Lady discuss superheroes changing their names. Broadband changed from dial-up, and that went off without a hitch. Yeah, but you remember when Dr. Fast switched to Supersonic Man to protect his identity? Then when he switched back for months, people had no idea what was going on, who was who. And on an extra-long episode of Tractor Fiction, the debate takes on Freemasonry. Righteousness comes only from Jesus Christ, never from an apron. I was gonna say that you can remove my apron from my waist with my cold, dead hands! But I've changed my mind. All that plus Rory does his thing and there better be a Frank Allen interview, so help me God. I'm going to be mad. It's coming your way May 26th on Waxwork.com.